This episode of the EdSurge podcast is brought to you with support from UNC Chapel Hill's Master of Arts in Educational Innovation, Technology, and Entrepreneurship Program, or MITE. That's M-E-I-T-E. A forward-thinking program that develops leaders in educational innovation. Hello and welcome to the EdSurge podcast, a weekly look at how education is changing. I'm Jeff Young. And I'm Rebecca Koenig. College kids have a reputation for seeking out free food. And that's why any student organizer knows that ordering pizza is a good way to lure folks to a meeting. And okay, college was a long time ago for me, but I I still remember picking activities based on the the spread of goodies that would be there. Me too. Pancake dinners, ice cream socials, and so much pizza. But for many students, hunger is a more serious problem. More than 30% of college students may not regularly get enough to eat. Um, And that's from an analysis conducted last year by the Federal Government Accountability Office. So yeah, that problem is likely more serious at community colleges than than at four-year institutions. But the bottom line is that there are plenty of students going hungry and at all kinds of higher ed institutions. And when you think about it, that probably affects their schoolwork and their ability to graduate, not to mention their health. You know these students are under so much stress. If you can just take some of that burden off of them, Right? The burden of just worrying and wondering, how am I going to buy groceries for my kids? Right? If you can reduce that, you might very well see changes in academic performance. That was Sarah goldrick Robb, a Temple University professor and college affordability advocate, explaining one possible benefit of an experiment she's helping to run at Houston Community College. It offers poor students something called a food scholarship. We'll get back to that in a bit. Food insecurity among students, that was one of the major topics of discussion at the Real College Conference in Houston that was held this fall. It brought together students, professors, administrators, and policymakers from across the country. And it was at Houston Community College, which has actually done a lot of work to help students and their families have the food that they need to to succeed in the classroom. So Becky, you were there at this event, and you were learning how campuses are dealing with this sometimes hidden problem? That's right. I met many students and professors and nonprofit leaders who are making it a priority personally and professionally um, to prevent students' stomachs from growling. One of them is Kat Cowley. Uh, She's the food pantry student coordinator at the University of Montana. And it was very interesting when we met. It was such a hot day in Houston uh, in late September, but it was already snowing in Missoula, where she's from. Uh, She was eager to learn with and from the 500 other people who were there at the conference talking about student hunger. I was really excited that this year's focus seemed to be more towards policy and long-term solutions um, because that's kind of the spot where we're really struggling back at UM. We've got a food pantry that's awesome. We're working resources for homeless students. That's awesome. But like those are band-aids at the end of the day. What we want to do is close and what we want to do is solve what is the root of the problem. Callie told me about who uses the multiple food pantries at the university, which are called grizzly cupboards. Uh, The school sports teams are called the Grizzlies, and so the university adopted the same name for the food distribution sites. Yeah, I guess I guess they're trying to to sort of tap into the school spirit, even in this even in this kind of setting. And I think that's probably on purpose um, to get away from the stigma that is sometimes associated with a food pantry or a soup kitchen. Um, Lots of other schools have have cute names too. The University of Florida has the Field and Fork Pantry. Uh, Arizona State has the Pitchfork Pantry. 
and the University of Cincinnati has the Bearcats Pantry. So, and so who are the students who end up using these programs? All kinds of students come. Um, at the University of Montana, they have grizzly cupboards in different parts of campus to try to make it convenient for students who identify in different ways. So there are cupboards in the Student Union Building, at the Veterans Office, at the American Indian Student Services Office, that sort of thing, to serve different populations in places where they're already likely to show up. We have students of all ages. Um, we have a lot of student parents. I think about a third, if I guess right, of our customers um, are parents. We get um, a number of homeless people just from the community because they spend time on campus, and that's great. We have food for them, too. Um, and then we have this really funky mix of both students who are on meal plans, and their meal plan doesn't stretch to the end of the week, so they need more food, and students who have extra meal plan left over and use that to donate food back to us. That's this funky balance we're looking at right now. Cowley, uh, who is now a graduate student in public administration, mentioned that she attended the University of Montana as an undergraduate because tuition was more affordable for her than her options in Washington State, where she's from. So if tuition at the university is, is pretty inexpensive, why, why do students still have trouble affording food? Yeah, I wonder that same thing. Uh, Cowley explained it to me. Our housing market in Missoula right now is a nightmare, particularly for student renters. And that really high rent, really low vacancy rate paired with our 850 minimum wage kind of is this perfect storm of I can barely work enough hours to feed myself. How am I also going to buy that textbook and also going to pay my class fees? Um, and that like it's this perfect pot of like a really unique and uh, complex issue that students are going to face that non-students won't have to deal with. That conversation clued me into something that I would come to understand in more detail over the course of the weekend, that hunger among students is a problem tied to many other problems. It relates to tuition, rent, wages, transportation, family relationships, the cost of textbooks and school supplies. And all of these things affect the extent to which students have enough to eat. Over the weekend, I heard someone say that food is often... Uh, you know, the most fungible item in students' budgets. Um, they, they have to pay rent, but they could make, you know, their food budget stretch further if, if they just buy less food. Um, and Cowley knows firsthand how these issues intersect and make it hard for students to focus on their schoolwork. Yeah, I um, actually had a test the day after I lost my house and failed it. Uh, I had not struggled in that course at all. I was feeling good. I had studied. And then just because of that trauma kind of all being dumped on me at once, um, you can't process it in a day. So I walked into my social stats class, and my professor was amazing, but they still can't just give you another test because you're sad. Um, so that it took me a couple weeks to get caught up, and then really I was struggling all the way up until I had stable housing again, and I got back into the dorms. Um, and on top of that, even years later, I still experience a lot of stress and really struggle kind of bringing that to professors to say, hey, I'm not doing well. I need some extra help. Uh, and anytime they do, I do. The, my professors are awesome, but it takes a lot to really fight through that stigma and fight through that, like, well, I should be able to do this. What's wrong with me? Yeah. So it sounds like professors then end up with a front row seat to, to what these struggles are for students. Yes. Uh, I've heard faculty are often the first college leaders to notice that something is wrong. That's why Goldrick Robb, uh, who helps lead the Real College Conference, started the FAST Fund 
It's a nonprofit program that gives small grants to professors who then use the money to help students with small needs, say a grocery gift card or a bus pass to make sure they can get to class. I that's the I remember this article you wrote recently for EdSearch people should check out about the with more on the fast fund. But yeah, so that's an example of the kinds of things that colleges are doing around the country. That's right. Um, and it was really interesting at the conference to learn that professors are not just witnesses to this problem, um, but they can also be going hungry too, kind of behind the scenes. After the break, how colleges are realizing that hunger is a more complex problem than many first realized, and some surprising big picture solutions. Stay with us. The MIGHTY program is open to innovators, educators, and entrepreneurs interested in making an impact using technology. MIGHTY features coursework customized to your interests and an internship with the leading edge edtech company in the research triangle. You'll have the opportunity to create learning environments and design breakthrough edtech. Join them December 4th from 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for a virtual information session. Learn more on the website ed.unc.edu slash m-e-i-t-e. That's ed.unc.edu slash m-e-i-t-e. Now back to the episode. I met with a woman named Sherry Worth, who she's now on pretty solid financial ground, she said, um, and works in the prison reentry program at Metropolitan Community College in Omaha, Nebraska. But she wasn't always doing as well financially as she is now. And she explained how hard it was for her to work on her associate and bachelor's degrees while she was raising children and struggling with debt. I was gung-ho and ready. But then I can honestly remember the nights I would sit. At that point, me and my children had to move back to my mother's um, due to finances and some safety issues. But I can remember sitting in the garage crying, thinking, I can't do this. I cannot do this. There's no way. You know, I'm working. Um, I had waited tables, and, and I'm doing this. And, uh, you know, money was, you know, how am I ever going to support my kids? And I just felt overwhelmed. Um, and I had a couple of friends that I would call and they would come up and crazy. My daughter would say, mommy, we can, you can do this, but it was very overwhelming. It was. And I think without the support, um, I don't know if I would have finished and they pushed me to do more. Worth's money problems didn't immediately vanish once she earned her degrees and got a job working at the community college. Um, her colleagues may not have known it, but she was still struggling for a while and she told me that not everyone really appreciates this fact. Um, I witnessed this with her. We were participating in a team activity at the conference. You know, the kinds of group team building exercises one must do at conferences. Um, and we were at a table with students and other faculty members uh, designing a campus food pantry um, according to a set of parameters that we were given. And several of the participants thought that the resources should only go to students. Um, you know, they had a set budget, they only had limited resources, so they thought only students should be able to come and get this food. And Worth disagreed, thinking back to when she herself needed help as a new faculty member. Because like I said, I've made poor choices in my life. Um, I was involved in the criminal justice system, but you know, it's a good feeling when you see somebody change. You know, it's just um, amazing. And 
when they're not defined by their mistakes, and it's so easy for us to define people um, by their mistakes or to think we know the story, which was what I was thinking sitting at that table. You know, it's it's very easy for you to say, don't give it to faculty or go to another food bank. But until you know the story, you know, there's so much that you don't know. For that reason, Worth thinks college programs designed to offer social services to students should also be open to, to faculty. Um, and she thinks that kind of setting that example may even make students more comfortable seeking help. You know, we have to be healthy to be able to help the people that we're healthy, that we're helping. We have to be in a good state of mind and in a good place. And if we feel like they're supporting us, I feel the students see that. And I also think if I can tell a student, you know, there's a food bank available, you need to go. I've been there. I go. It's, you know, that stigma. We work, we work very hard where I work to reduce the stigma. And I just think that sets a better precedent. So what else are colleges doing um, to, to get to this stigma and try to reduce the stigma associated with seeking food um, or housing assistance? They're trying lots of different things. Um, I met Julie Weimeyer, who works at Valencia College in Orlando, Florida, and she helps to run their food bank, which is called Pookie's Pantry. Okay, there's another one. So what, what does Pookie's Pantry mean? She wasn't sure. Um, she said a former student came up with it. But the pantry has a mascot, its own mascot, a penguin. Uh, and Waymeyer explained to me it's because penguins can only survive with the support of their entire colony, um, which is pretty sweet. And uh, back to the stigma, Pookie's pantry workers have tried different locations and different kinds of advertising to get students in the door without feeling embarrassed. At Valencia, some new students even do a scavenger hunt during their first week of classes, kind of an orientation sort of activity. Um, and Pookie's Pantry is one of the stops on, on the scavenger hunt to make sure students know where it is on campus. That's great. So earlier, earlier the student from Montana uh, mentioned that she was looking forward to hearing about kind of big systematic solutions uh, to this problem of student hunger. But what kind of solutions were discussed at the conference? Yeah, for some attendees... Um, Food pantries are a great start, but they are really hoping to change federal and state policy. Um, and it seems like that work is kind of picking up steam. Right before the event, officials in the U.S. House of Representatives introduced a bill that would expand SNAP or food stamp eligibility to millions of college students. Um, so that was kind of talked about at the conference as a, as a promising development. Um, but beyond kind of official halls of power, colleges are trying some interesting solutions on their own, too. I guess back to that, like that food scholarship at Houston Community College that you wrote about. Exactly, exactly. So with help from foundation grants, the University of Houston, and the Hope Center for College Community and Justice, um, the Houston Community College set up an experiment to test what would happen if it offered low-income students 60 pounds of free groceries twice a month that they could pick up on campus. Um, and this idea was to set up a program a little more systemic than just having a pantry. Um, yeah, a pantry, students can kind of come by whenever, but this was kind of more proactive, offering students food, hopefully before it was a crisis. Um, and with a food scholarship, the community college wants to study whether it improves students' grades, 
did it improve their attitude toward the school? Did they feel more connected? And, you know, did it boost their overall well-being? So how did that go? Um, how did the students respond? Uh, it was mixed. So some students never got the message. Of course, it's hard to advertise to, to students sometimes. Um, some students participated but couldn't make it to the markets as often as they were invited. And others were pretty skeptical to be offered this deal by the college. Let's be honest. Some of them thought the thing was a scam. Because this sounds real different, right? Food scholarship? Groceries? Are you for real? You're really going to help me? Uh, that was Golda Grob again, and during the conference, uh, she briefed attendees on what she has learned so far from the evaluation of this food scholarship. But every student that we interviewed said that if they got food, the food was incredibly helpful. They all said how surprised they were that HCC would do this for them. They all said that the food that was being provided by the food bank allowed them to eat more fruit and vegetables right, and to have more meat in their diet than they'd previously been able to. So that is really promising, and often it, it means that people are getting more than what a food pantry can stock, especially if your food pantries don't have refrigeration. Uh, the research is still ongoing, so we all should look out for results soon about how this has worked out at Houston Community College. I know this conference has been going on a couple of years, but I, I still feel like we're kind of early in people really understanding this issue for, for students and maybe you say for faculty. And it's it's interesting. It seems like this is maybe a moment where there's a kind of a shift in, in things to moving to a bit more from awareness to actually more going on um, at colleges. I think you're right, especially with, with, you know, several bills in state and federal legislatures looking at this. It seems to be, you know, gaining some traction. Well, thank you so much for bringing all this um, information from the conference, Becky. Thank you. This has been the Ed Surge Podcast. Each week we feature conversations like this one. So please subscribe so you can keep up with all those future episodes. And you can support the show by taking a minute to leave a rating or leave a review. You can reach me on Twitter at J.R. Young. And I'm at Becky underscore Koenig. And do reach out if you have feedback or ideas for future episodes. This episode was edited by me, Jeff Young. We'll be back next week with more on the future of education. Thanks for listening. <laughs>